I noticed something you were doing last night, Rod. Oh, yeah? Oh, could that possibly, (laughs) possibly be? Every time you make a sandwich, you cut it into little squares. Why is that? It seems to be kind of a reoccurring theme in my life, as you probably noticed. (laughs) I paint in squares, but the real truth is I cut it up into these little four squares. It's like having four sandwiches instead of one. I get to enjoy it more. I get it. It makes it last longer and a diet tip for people, right? I, I suppose it could be. Yeah. everyone and here we are celebrating what people love to do creatively by giving them a voice. I'm Rod Jones. And I'm Angie Jones. Welcome to the Thought Row podcast. We invite you to subscribe wherever you listen and we are available virtually anywhere you listen to podcasts. Yes. And you know what? We've discovered Yes, creativity is absolutely everywhere. Yes. You don't have to look very far to find it either. Like our guest today, who happens to be a very accomplished concert and solo flutist. Today, we will be speaking with Ivana Mišić from Croatia. You know, you and I both love classical music, which is good that we have that in common. We do. And the flute is the oldest instrument in the world. And, you know, I kind of would have thought drums maybe. That's what I thought too. But the flute apparently is a full instrument. It's an actual instrument. Mm. So this is really going to be an interesting conversation for us. Yep. But now it's time for your weekly quote. Okay. So the quote for this week is, Music is the divine way to tell beautiful, poetic things to the heart. And that's by Pablo Casales. Yes. And you know what? He would know. That's right. He would. And okay. Now it's going to be your turn, Ron. Wait, let's talk about Pablo for a minute. You want to talk about Pablo? Okay. Well, I just want to say one thing. Talk about Pablo. Poetic things to the heart. You know, music. Okay. It it enlivens your soul. It it just makes you feel really good. You know, you're really right. And and it it has a different language onto itself, really. Yeah. Music. It touches different places in your heart without maybe even words. It's just musical notes. Sure. I like that. Yeah. So are you ready now for your motivational moment? Yes, I am ready. Okay. So now it's your turn. It'd be better if I had opening music, something really grand. Well... We don't have any opening music for you because you didn't pick any out. Oh, well. <laughs> so let's let's have your motivation okay. moment. Come on. Don't leave your dreams behind. Oh. That's my today's motivational moment. Moment. Thank you. Yeah. Don't leave your dreams behind. So what does that mean to you, though? You know, what's interesting about our dreams, they mm-hmm. usually start, you know, things that we want to be. It starts when you're a little kid, you know, when you're a child. True. In fact, I I remember when we interviewed Madison, the opera singer, she started realizing that she wanted to sing at a very young age. And and ultimately, she knew she wanted to be an opera singer, which is, you know, that's fairly rare for a young child. But she deeply knew that it was built within her. And so many of us have dreams that start out when we're children Mm -hmm. and then, you know, life takes over. I think about my grandparents on their farm and their dream was to make sure the crops came in and to raise five kids. And they didn't even hardly ever watch television and they were very happy. 
you know, they seemed to live ahead. You know, they they had stresses, of course, right. but not like today. Why do you think we leave our dreams behind? Do you think it's because life just gets really complicated, especially nowadays? It's, it doesn't sound like when your grandparents were, you know, doing their farm and, you know, their their tasks and their concerns were pretty channeled in and they weren't so spread out all over the place. Well, they weren't being pulled so many different directions. Yeah. And then also as you mature, you have you make some choices in life and especially if you get married if you get married and you're a man you have responsibilities to the family and maybe you you know you need to get a job you need you may have house payments or apartment rent whatever yeah. you need to make sure you have adequate income to provide for your family and then all of a sudden if if when you were younger you wanted to be a drummer in a rock band right all of a sudden you go well i don't think that's going to happen i have too many responsibilities and interestingly enough some people as they get older and they retire they look back over their lives and they start uh living their dreams then which is as i say is better it's better at some point in your life, I guess, then better than never. Yeah, better than never. Well, you know, this this episode is going to be somewhat centered around music, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And it, to me, music is such an international language. It doesn't matter what language you speak or what country you're from. Almost everyone can relate to music and the human experience by the music they hear. That's so true. And then music really just touches your heart in so many ways that maybe even words can't sometimes. You know, you you it really it speaks to you with the tones, the intonation, so many different ways. That certainly does. And a lot of music is ritual too. And ritual music goes back practically to the beginning of the time, beginning of time. But yeah, the other thing I want to say about music, and I know when I hear certain types of music, it makes me want to eat certain types of food. Well, yeah, I mean, Italian, what, Italian food, that's what came to my mind. And maybe Greek food, too. Yeah, Greek food, Italian yeah. food. It makes you want to have a glass of wine and, yes, and, some, and some delicious Italian food. Italian food. Yeah. Definitely. So music sets the stage for so many things. It sets the stage for romance. It can. It's very much involved in romance, violins especially, I guess. Violins. And what was that band that I love that was from the 40s? All of a sudden I blank about that. Oh, Big Band Sound? Big Band Sounds. There was Glenn a, a, Miller? Glenn Miller. How romantic was that? Well, especially when you consider that music was being played mostly during the time the of war time. and couples that got together, got married. Those were the songs that became very close to their heart. Often mm-hmm. when uh, someone was shipped overseas, they would hear that music on the ship or even where they were based. And it would remind them of their their love back home. Yeah, their love back home. Yeah. And then I'm sure it brought a lot, a lot of tears to a lot of people. Even later in life, when they'd hear that song again, they would think back to something that they had experienced. I mean, music does bring back experience. Oh, it definitely does. If you if you go to a cathedral and you hear an organ play, it generally will always remind you of the grandness of a cathedral. Mm-hmm. It does. But yeah, you know, the main thing I, I jumping over to thinking about the people that we've interviewed, mm-hmm. I really have enjoyed 
how we've had the opportunity to explore how many ways, how many people find ways to be creative. Yeah, so true. And there's so many different avenues that we really don't consider when we think about creativity and inspiring ourselves. And their journey. And their journey. Yeah, definitely. They, yeah, they, when they, when our guests have shared with us their journey to becoming attuned to whatever it was that was so special to them when they mm-hmm. were a child. And then as they matured and they still reflected back on the first things that they felt when they first discovered this was something that they really wanted to do. And for the most part, the people that we interview managed to live their dream. That's so true. And you know what? And, and the thing about the podcast that's really interesting and evolving is that when you listen to the different people and their experiences, you may not relate to someone that, you know, does welding or opera, but there are tidbits in there that really can enhance what, how you think or your creativity. There may be just a couple of words that they say and the way that they handle their lives and what inspired them that could also be an inspiration for you. Sure. They're their personal yeah. stories. Their personal stories are fascinating. Absolutely. And- and we've listened to people tell us some of their deepest thoughts mm-hmm. and, and, and in many cases, kind of emotionally. Yeah, it's been so. a discovery for us and actually it's been a discovery for them because they, they had a voice. We gave them a voice and they could talk about how they got uh, involved in their creativity. Right on. But yep. it's time to introduce our special guest. That's true. Ivana, welcome to the Thought Row podcast where, you know what, you're going to be our very first flutist. <laughs> yes, yes. Hi, Ivana. Wow. <laughs> We're so excited well, to have you with us today. Thank you so much. I'm very excited to break the ice. It's, the first <laughs> <player>. <laughs> it's so much fun to be with you here today. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. Oh, you're welcome. Well, before we start our interview officially we always like to ask our guests what they had for breakfast so what did you have for breakfast okay so now i am in rieka it's a city on the seaside in croatia there i have many concerts with the orchestra mm-hmm. so i'm in a hotel and i had a hotel breakfast you know it's like i don't know if you know a swedish table like you can choose a lot of things which are offered. So I had uh, egg, bread, croissant, <laughs> a lot of things. But usually I eat, you know, this chocolate filling cereals Ooh. with uh, like pillow, pillow cereals with chocolate inside with rice milk. This is what I usually eat. But today I had a restaurant breakfast. Yeah. Oh, nice. That's nice. You didn't have <laughs> yeah. to fix it, that which is, makes it even better. Smorgasbord. Yeah. Yes, smorgasbord or Smorg- buffet. Smorgasbord buffet, yeah. That sounds good. <laughs> yeah, it's That sounds great. good. I know where you live because my grandparents immigrated to the U.S. from there. Please tell our listeners where you're from and what your country is like. Mm, it's so great coincidence to meet you and to find out that, uh, you know, we have this common thing to have. Mm-hmm. This cra- I, I live in Croatia in the capital city of Zagreb. It's a very beautiful country. 
And here I would like to use this opportunity to say uh, that it's very great to travel to Croatia because it's a so small place. You have a lot of a lot of things which you can explore, like the seaside, the mountains, a lot of national parks. Uh, I think two hundred more more than two hundred islands, oh, nice. which are wow. all so beautiful. There are islands where people come to like rehabilitation, you know, with the sea salt and the nature, like the, how to say, flora, flora from the forests. Yes, sure. It's really amazing to be in Croatia and the climate is very good. The winter is not so cold. That sounds nice. Very beautiful. Yeah. That sounds so nice. And it's, it sounds like mm-hmm. a perfect place to rejuvenate yourself physically exactly. and mentally, everything spiritually. Well, Beautiful. you know, yeah. you know, both, mm-hmm. both my sisters and my brother-in-laws, I guess it's been two years now. Yeah, it's been They a while. both visited there. They went to the towns and areas where my grandparents grew up mm-hmm. and we still mm-hmm. have some relatives there. But that's what they said when they came back. Obviously, they showed us some pictures that they had taken. Mm -hmm. But probably the thing I really enjoyed hearing from them was how gracious and warm and kind everybody that they met in -hmm. your country. Mm -hmm. They they just could not speak enough about how charming, helpful, caring they just were, you live in a great country. There's no doubt about that. And I'm not just saying that because that's my lineage, <laughs> but it's true. I'm sure that. It's true. Uh, yeah, Croatian people like to meet new people and they have so much hospitality in their veins. You know, yes. they really like to be good. They like to make people feel appreciated and welcome in Croatia. That's why we are very much touristic country there's a lot of tourists coming abroad so yeah it's very nice to come in croatia you should definitely come when oh, this corona is too. finished yeah to. well, that's our that's our goal in fact yeah. mm-hmm. our whole family said Great. you know they go this time yeah. Raj and Angie, you have to come with us so that's yeah. our plan mm-hmm. definitely great great yeah okay so i guess my first question is Share with us your journey into becoming a flutist. Okay. So I'm not uh, from a musical family. Everyone is mainly economist range and field and politics and this kind of jobs. Yeah. But uh, when I was a kid, I was uh, really good at singing in uh, kindergarten and after some time, my mother asked me if I'm interested to go to musical school. And I just say, I want to play flute. It came like out of nowhere. I haven't heard it anywhere on the radio or television. Just it came up to my mind. And this is how I started to, started to play flute. And I really like flute because you have to produce sound with your own breath. And I found this really amazing because it's really natural to connect the music you are playing because we all have to breathe and this is something we all do. And this is very natural way of playing. So I I really enjoy playing the flute. Yeah, That's interesting. Well, how old old were you when you first picked up a flute? Yeah, I was nine, nine years old. See, that's pretty young. Yes, yes, yes. 
And it's very good to start in the young age because you can um, fix everything before you start to think and, uh, you know, analyze everything. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That hey, that's nice. very so true. Very good. Yeah. That's very true. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's my understanding that the, the flute is the oldest instrument in the world. And as a classical performer, what have been some of the challenges that you've had playing this instrument? Well, when I was studying flute, of course, I had the challenge to find a good sound. This was this was from, for me the biggest challenge. During academy, I think it took me three or four years to figure out uh, what is my sound. Like not to copy sound of my teacher, not to copy sound of some flute players I was listening to. So yeah, this was this was my biggest challenge in this process of becoming professional musician, because also when you're growing your personality, it's also difficult to find out what is your style, what is exactly you like or you don't like. So these are some things I also figuring out with myself. Also, it's reflected on the flute. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Is That's that? so interesting. You know, I mm-hmm. when I think of maybe playing in an orchestra, I always feel like you have to be a little bit void of style. So that way you're doing what the concert master wants you to do, the conductor. But you have to be a little bit more taking, I guess. The, well, especially if the, there's especially yeah, what they if want there's to do. four flute players all sitting yeah. side by side. You can't all have everybody you. different. So it's really encouraging for me to hear that you have to, you you work on your own style instead of being yes. just playing by mm-hmm. the notes, basically, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I also play in orchestra very often. And in a way, not literally, I find orchestra as a corporation. So yeah. everyone is important, but you are part of a big group and you have to follow the rules in right. order to concert be successful. And this is very challenging for me. That's why I am uh, a freelance flute player and I like to change orchestras, ensembles, uh, chamber music. So I just don't fix my personality and my style of playing to one uh, orchestra because this is very important to me to stay individual and never lose my sound and Mm -hmm. my expression this is very important for me that makes a lot of sense yeah, I can because see that. if you're mm-hmm. if you're with a if you're part of a full-on orchestra you're always playing mm-hmm. what the i uh, like what you said it's kind of like a corporation yeah, where you, that's you have to do <laughs> yeah. yes yeah you're you're fixing yeah. what you can so. play but you know i heard that some leaders of corporations come on musical rehearsal of orchestra to learn about team leading and to learn about how system is going because to play in orchestra is actually i mean to musician is very natural you know you have the notes you have a dynamic you have conductor but in corporation these things all need to be uh, communicated and mm-hmm. it's very interesting what we can do together even thinking about it how we can play together and this is also very interesting that's why i'm playing in orchestra right <laughs> because this is so interesting oh yeah. i can imagine it really is you know before i ask you the next question i want to mention that the your audio sounds incredible and i want our listeners mm-hmm. to know that you're actually talking to us from a concert hall oh yeah <laughs> i'm just now 
I have to record uh, some uh, videos for my website because I'm starting to do coaching for uh, students. Yeah, we're going to so ask I, you. Fantastic. We're going to ask you about your teaching mm-hmm. in a little bit. But my question okay. was: the the whole world knows that live music performances during the last year and a half or so have literally stopped. I mean, they came to a screeching halt due to COVID. Yes. And there have been some virtual performances that have taken place. But how has this mm-hmm. period affected your business as a musician? Well, it was very difficult because for one whole year, we didn't have any performances or concerts and basically nothing was happening. This was very difficult part of the year. I was just practicing and you know, reading books and doing whatever I can just to stay motivated. But in two months, before two months, concerts started to happen. And now I'm very lucky that uh, I have so many concerts. My summer is really full with various concerts. And it's difficult because now here in Rijeka, just two days ago, they brought a new law that we have to have a COVID-free concert. So everyone who is participating in concert, both orchestra and audience, they have to have a negative test result for oh. Corona. And this is a little bit uh, making all this harder to organize, even though we are we have concerts outside on the in the like arena, you know, yeah, open, uh, the old, old arena. Yes, open air. But still we have to we have to have this sorted so this is making things difficult but somehow we are managing i think it's been particularly hard i think it's been particularly hard on musicians i mean we Mm -hmm. we saw one on television and then we noticed that the audience they were all sitting several seats apart they all had their mask on we also noticed that the performers Obviously, if they had, if they were a woodwind or a flute or whatever, they weren't wearing a mask. But the timpanist yeah. or the the string instruments, they all had their masks on, and it was kind of yeah. it was kind of a little it's interesting eerie, yeah, to say the it's least. Interesting. Yes, it's so difficult because when you wear a mask, you have difficulties with breathing, yeah. and no matter if uh, you are violent players, also need to. Everyone has to wear mask. Uh, except uh, wind players. So it's really difficult. And co- when conductor is uh, trying to say something, uh, you cannot hear him because it's lower, lower oh, yeah, sound. Muffles, yeah. it, it and, muffles his yes, voice. Yes, yes. It's so difficult. I really hope uh, this crisis will end soon and then we can uh, well, try definitely. to find... Yeah. We're completely for with now, you on that. We have to, yeah, we have to be very flexible and also try uh, other solutions, like you said earlier, digital concerts, digital manifestation. <laughs> it seems yes. like YouTube became a new concert hall. It's really terrible, but there's nothing like a live performance. <laughs> it's yes, so true. Yes, there's nothing. Yeah, it's so different because when you are there and it's happening and this human factor of, you know, making music is changing the whole feeling but yeah we have to be happy for what we have and try to make it better right and adapt i mean it's you know it it might serve a purpose somewhere along creativity wise so you know maybe it's a a good thing i don't know 
Yeah. Somewhere along yes, the line. Yes, yes. You know, mm, earlier we yeah. we were talking earlier about you starting to play as a child. Now it seems like yes. the earlier a child starts to play an instrument, it builds self confidence and stimulates the brain. What are your thoughts on that? Well, to be honest, I don't remember that I was confident as a child with performing and everything. So I think it's very difficult uh, to have confidence when you are starting to play. Mm-hmm. And but uh, but it's it's very good to start early because of the body mm-hmm. because body changes when you are when you grow up and uh, you can make your fingers faster when you are a child so mm-hmm. some some practical things are very good there are there are advantages advantages and disadvantages sure. i know for example i think jean pierre rampal this is a uh, flute player Mm -hmm. who passed away, very famous. I think he started to play flute when he was 18 years old. And he managed to become most successful uh, flute player in his time. So there is no, I think there is no rule to anything because, you know, exception makes the rule. So, yeah, but it's good for me that I started this earlier to play the flute and I'm happy. Yeah. Well, you've maintained a passion (laughs) for it. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. That's the important part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. when 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 you see a flute player up close, it's obvious that they have to hold their lips in a certain position to make the flute have the different intonations and sound. Is that difficult to do? I know you talked about it a little bit. Yeah, a little but, bit. But when you mm-hmm. watch a flute player, obviously they have to hold their lips a certain way. Yeah, I'm really amazed how you made this observation. I have to say, this is really amazing. You, this, yeah, it's it's a special way of of blowing the air. Uh, flute is the only <clears throat> wind instrument who has open hole to play, so it's more difficult to produce a sound on a flute than it's on a saxophone or the clarinet because on, on saxophone you have closed. Close, I think mouthpiece on English it's called, yeah, and you yeah. you just put your lips on it, and then of course you need to work on the sound. But I think that the uh, sounds comes immediately through the through the instrument. But flute is different because you have to have an embouchure, which is we for children we use uh, the expression you have to think that your lip is like a snail on the on the mouth uh, on the mouthpiece so really? it has to be really yes really it's, it's it has to be uh, widened up and uh, tied to the mouthpiece and this is really difficult to produce and there's so many sc- other uh, schools of uh, flute playing some people don't play like the like a snail on the mouthpiece some people have a different embouchure but today we can talk about this really long so yeah i hope it's a, this that, is that's okay. really so, interesting yeah, because, like, because mm-hmm. the what do you call them, woodwinds i mean they have um, a reed a reed mm-hmm. and yes. there's nothing between you basically in that opening in the flute Yes, yes. Everything yes. has to be controlled mm-hmm. by your lips and how in you... your breath, yeah. Let me ask you a question because I've never picked up a flute in my life as far as I know, although I've watched a lot of flute players. Mm-hmm. Are you blowing across the opening or into it? 
you know, uh, you would not believe, but 70% of the air goes out. So just 30% uh, is going in the, in the flute. Oh, okay. okay, so you are so, kind of blowing across. Oh. Yes, yes, I blow lo- a lot of across. This is mm, it's in, impossible to to blow exactly the whole amount of air in the in the hole, and that's why it's so difficult to play flute because you have to have really strong lungs. I noticed as I'm growing, my lungs have been bigger since I was small. So I have lungs like uh, like I'm swimming, you know, like I'm a professional swimmer. That's interesting. Yeah, it's, it's really wide, yeah. Huh. You wouldn't think yeah. that with the uh, flute at all. I, I Like I would think that yes. with like a trumpet player or a tuba player, somebody with this very big mm-hmm. instrument, but not with yes, a flute. Yes, yes. It sounds like the flute yes. requires more breath control yes. than any mm-hmm. other instrument. Mm-hmm. Well, I think all the instruments require a lot of breath control. It's just different, uh, different system, and uh, it's a little bit different to to produce a sound. Hmm. It's more difficult maybe in the beginning, but when you are going in the professional level, I think we are all in the same problem. You know, to have <laughs> the details and to have great music. But it's interesting also the small instruments. I need a lot of pressure and a lot of breath. For example, now I'm also playing piccolo. Mm-hmm. It's it's also an instrument from the families of flute. Sure. And it's very, very small instrument, but you need so much power and pressure. And it's really interesting because, as you said, it's it would be kind of normal to think that big instruments require mm-hmm. A lot of I I have not tried big instrument. I just tried the bass flute, and it's bigger than this flute. And I just don't need so much air as on on a concert flute, band flute. Yeah, so yeah, it's it's very interesting. That is interesting. That's I so found interesting. that very interesting, and I'm sure our <laughs> listeners are going to because you see these instruments, but you don't really. You don't know what it takes to no, make it happen. No, you don't get the inside from the actual mm-hmm. musician. Yes. You know, you, di- you yes. just listen to them, but you don't get the inside. Mm-hmm. True, true. Yeah, yeah. Now, Ivana, you've, you've been a, a soloist and a concert performer. What are some of the experiences that you've enjoyed the most? Hmm. In the concerts, well, one event came to my mind. It was not a concert, but it was audition for the Dubrovnik Symphony Orchestra. I think the third round. Mm-hmm. And I had to play concerto, which is one of my favorite concertos ever written for flute. So when I had to play, it was very cold in the hall and because the hall was made of stone. In Dubrovnik, uh, city, of, uh, city of Croatia, there's lots of uh, this kind of buildings, old buildings, which are made from stone. And it was very cold. And I, my audition was during the winter. And I remember this was maybe the the highest density of concentration I ever had on the public performance. I was, I felt like and this composer, Carl uh, Nielsen is sitting next to me and mm-hmm. we are on uh, some very big grass field. In, in the Norway, and I started to cry in the middle of mm-hmm. one really nice melody. 
And uh, the, this is the moment I knew that I'm going to win this audition because, you know, I was so much into it that I felt I was out of that space at that moment. It was really incredible. Well, experience. congratulations. Wow, that is so wonderful <laughs> to really feel that. Thank you that. so much. Well, that's going to actually work real well with the next question I have. Yeah, we learned from you in an earlier conversation that you've been called upon to perform improvisational pieces. How mm-hmm. do you come with, up with those variations to meet that challenge? And in a couple of minutes, I'm going to ask you to play a couple of pieces. But first, how do you come okay. up with those variations? Well, this is what you mentioned. I played a couple of times what I call free improvisation. I want to uh, like a quote on this because maybe some jazz musician don't call this freak improvisation. It's very uh, different. But the way I see free improvisation is when you play how you feel. So you don't have any rules, no harmonies which you have to play. So you just stand on on in the concert hall and then you play how you feel. So I had a uh, opportunity to to play in this kind of concerts a couple of times once was with the jazz orchestra of the academy where i i played regularly and i had solo which was during the project harmony of dissonance and i was just to play let's say bipolar so i played something which was really melodic fluid very nice, etheric and spiritual. And then I slide in into something which reminds me on the chaos or without harmonies and very high density intervals. And this was very nice experience because I never knew what is going to come up from my flute because yeah. this was the only rule. You have to play how you feel and Sometimes, mm. you know, I don't feel every day the same. I, sometimes I feel great. Sometimes I'm open. Sometimes I want to be alone. And it was really interesting because, you know, it was not so small concert. It was actually in the big concert hall in Zagreb. And it was full concert hall. And, you know, the lights are uh, on me. Everything is black. And then I think in my head, I don't know what I'm going to play. I just have to let it go. And this is really incredible. Oh, wow. Yeah, that I sounds like, like, you know, that's the, brings uh, more attention to the word solo. Angie, what do you think if we ask Ivana to play a couple of things for us? Maybe, yeah. maybe Ivana, you can play a little bit of an improvisation. And then of course, I know our audience would love to hear something a little bit more classical. We're going to let you mm-hmm. get ready and then we'll be right back with you. Okay, perfect. No problem.
that was absolutely beautiful. That was beautiful, Ivana. Thank I, you. Thank you for sharing your flute playing with our listeners today. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't expect it to be so wonderful, but <laughs> it was really good. Yeah. Ivana, can you tell us about the two pieces you just played? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. So the first piece I played was my personal improvisation. And I was thinking maybe it would be good to share with our listeners. Yes. The city of Rijeka I'm in now, it's very rainy and it's somehow slow in the Sunday. There's not so much people in the road. So this was my picture I had in mind while I played this. I played this improvisation. And also I want to share and somehow evoke the smell of rain in the city. Oh, Oh, nice. (laughs) And the second piece I played, I thought it would be nice to share also with our listeners. The Nielsen Concerto I mentioned from the my my favorite experience in the public performance and i played the excerpt from the melody when i started to cry in uh, this performance oh, how nice. so, oh, yeah, so good. i mean we were just hearing it but you telling us a little <laughs> bit about the background of each piece i mean t- to our ear they were both beautiful They're beautiful but you giving Thank us you. a little bit of a background on it that just icing on the cake yes <laughs> Thank you. I like that. I like that. Well, you know, you were talking about performing and, you know, I would like to know before you go out on stage to perform a solo, what is going through your mind? What do you feel when you're, when you're doing this? Wow. That's so interesting question. Actually, I, I am very excited before I have concerts. I don't, some special ritual on the day of concert I usually don't practice much I practice just one hour and I do some light meditation but before concert I just stay calm mm-hmm. in the in the backstage and, and when I start performance I forget about everything I practiced I forget everything I may be fear of some places I they are difficult. I just let everything go, and I let the music uh, lead me to to the concert. So it's yeah, it's not some special ritual. I just try to let it go as much as I can. Well, it certainly <laughs> seems to be working. Yeah, and and <laughs> it, it's also I I love that you're putting yourself in a place of just letting it flow through you instead of getting worked up or any, yeah, it's any less, me- less mechanical, yeah, yeah. less mechanical, more emotional, more emotional. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the most difficult thing for me. It feels like I have to jump from the mountain and I will, I will fall on the clouds. I know that I will fall on the clouds, but still it's really difficult to jump. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. yes. It's a very nice feeling. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, after it's all over, after it's all over, yeah. it's an especially nice feeling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you yeah. often, I, I know you often perform in ensembles and you have to work with just a few fellow musicians. How does that work for you? Well, that's very nice because... Usually I cooperate and play with 
musicians who are already my friends. So it's uh, just like hanging out through the music and uh, discussing the details and finding out the the perfect mode and uh, the perfect, you know, the perfect pitch. But it's different with uh, every group. Sometimes I have one friend and a piano player. We, we played duo and we are now having a concert in two days in another city. Oh, how great. It's, yeah, it's a duo Gatenel. And with him, I always have long rehearsals. It's sometimes uh, five or six hours of rehearsals and we just go into the music and uh, we cannot stop practicing. Oh, beautiful. But oh, that's so yeah. wonderful. <laughs> it's, uh, it's very good, you know. People are different. With some, with some people, I just uh, feel like I don't need to rehearse at all. Like we can just go on the concert and play. This is also very nice because you can uh, have this kind of trust and uh, you can feel that the other person is following your thoughts mm -hmm. and your intentions. So both of both of these things and way of playing I really like and enjoy. I like the diversity. So it's everything is very interesting every part. See that's really wonderful such dynamic relationships with people and also identify, you know, with one, mm -hmm. I don't need to practice. It's good. I have this trust. And yeah. with yeah. others, you just want to practice because it's just so much fun, I think. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Now, I know there have been some great composers that have written compositions specifically for the flute. Do you have a favorite? Well, I, I do not have a favorite because there is so many it's it's like you have to pick a favorite person in your life you know i have to choose is it my sister or is it yes, my boyfriend yes. or my mother you know everyone is uh, so special in a different way i will mention a couple of them just to give you some uh, information about uh, what is my preference in music so yes. i really like bach him yeah. I have some kind of special uh, connection. Every time I play Bach, I feel like I'm in the universe and like I'm floating to the planets and every planet has its sound and it's very, very special composer for me, but it's really difficult to play Bach. He is really complex composer, so you have to really prepare. I think he, also, I think Bach, mm -hmm. I think Bach sat around and said, I'm going to, give flute players, flutists, a hard time. Because <laughs> I mean, he really wrote some beautiful compositions for the flute. And, yeah. they were, and I suspect that they were very challenging to play. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Bach is not the only one, you know. There are a lot of composers who, for example, Prokofiev, he uh, seems like he makes compositions, which is always little bit above the the you know the technical possibilities of the instrument the and range I'm right my, yes the range not a range is always you know you can all play all the notes but technically the way he wrote passages in the music it's uh, sometimes so challenging that really i'm thinking why is this but when you are when you practice and when it's uh, well practiced then it's very rewarding to play this kind of com composers yeah so yeah. Mm -hmm. do you do you 
do you teach others to play the flute? And, and when you are teaching them, are you using some of the same techniques that you? Yes, yes. I, I use technique that my teacher on academy, her name is Renata. And I really respect uh, her school of teaching the flute because it seems like to be really perfect formula for uh, great sound and technique. I always use her her way that uh, she taught me, but also I like to add my personal my personal way of teaching. Where I also like to know with the student, I like to uh, know what is happening in their life, and this is very important for me to study about their how to say in a psychological way. Mm -hmm. So then, if there's tension in some aspect of life, then I know how to how to respond on it and what to work on and maybe what kind of compositions uh, would be very suitable to this student because every I think all the young people have some problem when they are, you know, in the puberty and adolescence. This is very very fragile fragile sure. period in yeah. every every man's life. So this is I like to combine this rational way where you have, uh, you know, one plus one is two. And I like to also combine with the other way where I try to find out what's, what's troubling them. And then I sort it out, try to sort it out, help them to, to sort them out by themselves. And this is how I like to build confidence. This is important for me. Well, lucky is the student that has you as a teacher. Absolutely, you know, absolutely. That, that's really special. I mean, it's just not, I remember my music teacher, which I failed miserably at, Mr. Geiger. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was, one oh. of these, he was one of these music teachers that he would pick up an instrument and throw it at you. <laughs> so, oh, my so, God, so, really? Yeah, so oh. I don't imagine there was too many people in our high school band that that oh. went on to become musicians <laughs> mostly they oh. learned how to wear hard hats <laughs> oh, oh my god i'm so sorry that you had this experience <laughs> that's, so that's, sad. Okay. that's okay I yeah. we can all live vicariously through your successes so sure. that's really good <laughs> yeah sure. okay now i know mm. we're getting kind of to the end of our end of our interview so I'm going to ask you the question that we ask all of our guests, which is if you could sit on a park bench and chat with anyone from the past, who would it be? Okay, it's very difficult to answer this question because in my life I feel that I meet everyone who I have to meet and everyone in my life seems to be fulfilling their uh, purpose. But there is one person who I would love to meet if I have possibility. And this is conductor Herbert von Karajan. He is my favorite conductor. And I always always analyze his recordings mm -hmm. and how he conducted. And it's very interesting because he always conducted with his eyes closed. This is very unusual mm. for conductor because he is standing in front of the orchestra and his eyes are always closed. And this amount of trust he gives to the orchestra that they will lead his, they will follow his hand movement. Mm -hmm. It's so incredible. And 
I would not just love to sit with him on the bench. I would love to uh, work with him in the orchestra also. Yeah, of absolutely. Of course. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a beautiful answer. That's a wonderful answer. Mm, yeah. And I think it's really interesting that he conducts with his eye closed. He must, I mean, he's very obviously connected to so the connected. music. Yes. And, he's, and he's feeling it as he's uh, directing, but he's also getting all that wonderful feedback from the musicians. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's so incredible. It's like he's connected uh, to another world while he's conducting and it's also possible to see this in the recordings of, you know black and white recordings of his performances mm-hmm. i imagine how is it like to be in person with this uh, incredible human being and it's probably more more exciting and more thrilling than it's when i see it on recording so yeah, yeah. he's yeah he's a person i would love to meet what a beautiful answer. That's a great answer. Yeah. And unfortunately, we have to say goodbye. You know, Ivana, oh. yeah, you've, you've been a, a fantastic guest. I don't like guest. using the word yeah. fabulous, but you've been a fabulous, <laughs> fantastic guest. Yes, absolutely. Sir, any adjectives I'm leaving out? I don't think so. Wonderful. Was, you've been a wonderful you. guest. I'd like to thank you so much. I'm very flattered uh, by your words, but I must say, that uh, you're so great host and I'm so relaxed to talk to you. And this was really incredible experience for me. Thank you so much. Well, you're it's so our pleasure. Welcome. And what are we going <laughs> to Well, you know, I have to let everyone know that if you'd like to know more about Ivana, we will have links for her under the show guest tab on thoughtrowpodcast.com. So everyone can learn more about her and connect with her on social media and her website. So I think that. Yeah, we're going to have to wrap it up. So thank you again, Ivana, for being on the show today. Thank you very much. All right, thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye, everyone. I'm really glad you tuned in today. We hope you enjoyed the thoughts and ideas we shared with you. We post a new podcast every week, so remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. So it's bye for now from my husband Rod and I, wishing everyone a great day.